0: men can count on contact cordell Cordell.com, 1065 east hillsdale boulevard suite 310 foster city california 94404 you are listening to the bird calls for more breakdowns on the pelicans including interviews with coaches journalists and opposing experts go to itunes search the bird calls and subscribe today to an impromptu edition of the bird calls podcast where i am joined with steve dewald of blazers edge steve kind of a somber mood in portland i'd imagine how are you guys feeling right now
1: look if uh you're a blazer fan you're not prepared for a somber mood you, you haven't been a blazer fan for long so we will survive but obviously i would i would like this to be a little more competitive series but you know what can you do
0: yeah. What can you do? There's articles on the ringer right now. Kevin O'Connor is calling to blow it up. I think that's his nickname. Hashtag uh, Kevin O blow it up or something. Whatever Chris Vernon refers to him as. Uh, Dame Lillard. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact Cordell, Cordell Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Was quoted in the locker room last night. He said, they're making me give the ball up. This is a different coverage than I've ever seen at any point in my career. It's two or three layers of defense. It's tough to play against, man. Talk about what Dame is seeing out there. I think he had eight turnovers last night, uh, just frustrated taking three-point shots from behind two defenders, five feet behind the three-point line. Is is this a combination of him being tight and the Pelicans just playing staggering defense? What are the Pelicans doing that he's not used to seeing?
1: I I think most importantly to to frame this, that quote, is this isn't the first time he's seen this. Uh, The first two games of the Clippers series in 2015 – he saw very similar looks until Chris Paul got hurt. He had Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan on him all the time. And at least at that time, he had Mason Plumlee, who's a really good ball handler for a center. So it, it wasn't uncommon for him to kick the ball to him and then have him kind of run the offense. Now That being said, the Pelicans are doing a lot of the same things. And Portland just doesn't have that secondary ball or well, actually third ball handler because Rondo's been playing great on CJ and I mean they've just and even when CJ gets the ball they kind of have a plan to okay you can shoot these shots and we'll live with it and it's been so effective and Nurkic just doesn't have quite the the patience and polish to really dictate an offense and it's it's been astonishing I think the craziest thing is I think I read on Twitter that Damian Lillard has more turnovers and assists in this series and that's it's it's just unbelievable and it's not uncommon to see Damian Lillard take you know three point shots from five feet beyond the arc but that's usually when he's in the middle of of a heat of, of a heater so it's uh it's been a, it's been very humbling i think for for those guys in that locker room and it, it was really disappointing to see the effort in the in the third game i mean at least through the first two games it was frustrating on offense but they still play defense and and that was not the case and i, I wrote about it a little bit last night i tag team the the recap with brian freeman on blazer's edge and the the pelicans are, are quicksand i mean they're they're led the league in pace and so when you get behind when you surrender a 16 point lead in the first quarter you're you're playing right into alvin gentry's hand and i i mean anthony davis was behind the defense for the majority of the night and then you have Nikola Miritic who's coming down the court as a trailer, or you know, leaking out in transition. And I mean, that guy's hitting everything right now. So it's a, it's been, it's been crazy to watch. I wish it was the other way around. It was the Blazers doing this, but it's it's been. I can't say. I mean, it's you never would like to see your team lose, but it has been enjoyable to the brand of basketball that the Pelicans are playing is enjoyable.
0: Well, that's certainly appreciated. It's nice to have a, I don't know, a, a friendly adversary, I guess, going into this matchup. Of course, we're friends with the guys at Blazers Edge and talk to them regularly. So uh, thank you guys so much for uh, being so professional <laughs> about all of this and and courteous, even in the face of, of defeat. I do want to bring up something about Game 2. I know that uh, the officiating didn't go quite the way that Trail Blazers fans hoped that it would. I'm thinking specifically of the Evan Turner backcourt foul that w- uh, resulted in two shots because they were over the limit at the time. However, I know that there were a lot of other controversial calls that had the Blazers fans up in arms, booing at frequent points during that game. Both Game 1 and Game 2 could have gone either way at many points in that game, uh, back-and-forth battles. However, there are some who believe that because of some of those calls, Game 2 kind of was tilted into the Pelicans' favor. What was your take on some of the officials' rulings?
1: I I think I'm I'm also a fan of, of MMA and UFC, and I think one of the big things that they always preach in that is don't leave it in the judge's hands. And I think that's something that carries over to the NBA is you can't leave it in the official's hands. Yes. Officials calls can hurt momentum and can change the outcome of the game in certain situations. But for the most part at home, you have to take care of business and not leave it in the hands of the officials. Now game two, there was, I mean, there was the foul that you mentioned with Evan Turner and, and Rondo in the backcourt, which was, it was for the playoffs that was a pretty soft call, I'll admit. But there the the things that really irritated me were some of the inbound and out of bounds calls. Now granted, I was at the game, so I don't get as clear of a look and the angles that they choose to show on the jumbotron might not be the angles that you see at home. So there there is a little bit of gamesmanship when it comes to that from the from the home arena. But I I, I think the Blazers have just been flat out played and I think in game one and game two, the way they got back into those games is, I mean, one thing they did kind of have on the Pelicans was depth. And you saw those runs come when Anthony Davis might have been off the court for a little while or Drew Holiday was off the court for a little while. But other than that, this, this series goes way beyond the referee's influence.
0: All right. Uh, and I remember specifically in game two, there was an opportunity for the Blazers at uh, 100 to 99 following Moharkless three-point shot. And then, of course, there were three three-pointers in a row by Nikola Meretic, that pull-up by Drew Holiday. And then after that scrum, uh, following Etwan Moore's two missed free throws resulting in that corner three for Rajon Rondo. So definitely an exciting affair. Wish game three could have followed along the guidelines of game one and game mm-hmm. two a bit more. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, only two points in the first half, only took four shots. We saw him come out much much more aggressively in game two.
1: Why was he so quiet in game three? I I think he's been humbled on, on the defensive end. I think sometimes he, uh, he gathers his energy from, you know, making some highlight blocks or altering shots and kind of dictating down there. And I just think that he has been put out of position so much at that end that I think it carries over to the other end where he's pressing a little bit. And you know he's tried a few new things. I think he he hit a mid range shot in game two, and he bricked one in game three, and kind of gave up on it. Um, I also think, I mean, this is a guy who's lost a job to to a young guy before in Lowe, uh or in uh, in Jokic, and I think I think Zach Collins playing well might, might might play a factor. I mean, this is all purely speculation on my part, but my. Nurkic's attitude is something that I keep keep an eye on especially with our our friend Adam Mares at the Denver Stiffs I mean he was he very clearly outlined last year's summer league when we were all hanging out that you know there there is a downside to use of Nurkic and that could be his attitude now I'm not saying that that's the case but I mean those are all things that could certainly factor in but I think more so than the attitude it's him having having kind of been humbled on the defensive end I think could play a part because I think he's definitely kind of that emotional player where that's where he gathers all his energy from. So I think that's probably the leading candidate for that.
0: Uh, two-part question here. Evan Turner out with that turf toe. Uh, the first question is, do you expect him back for Game 4? And the second part of that is, Mo Harkless was highly effective in Game 2 coming off the bench. He was a positive 11 in his 27 minutes coming off that arthroscopic knee surgery. And they they needed and expected a lot from him in Game 3. And he was just 1 of 5 from 3-point range. Uh, He did have four assists, but only five points in 26 minutes. He didn't give that brand of defense that he did in game two against Anthony Davis in the, in the fourth. Uh, How disappointed were you in Mo's play? Do you think that there was any effect with it being uh, inserted into the starting lineup versus coming off the bench? And again, what is the status of Evan Turner?
1: So I'll start with Evan Turner. It sounds like he was practicing today from what I saw on Twitter. Um, He it'd be nice to have him back, but I mean, he was super ineffective in game two before he left. Um, Even, even the play that I thought might work, that I discussed a little bit on this podcast where he's, you know, taking smaller guards into the post. I mean, Anthony Davis is getting back to, to stop those plays. I mean, there's nothing quick about an Evan Turner post up is the problem. Like, yeah, it can work, but it's going to give the defense plenty of time to react once he puts his head down and starts dribbling into a guy. So I, I would expect to probably see him in game four, but, at this point, I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. Uh, as far as Mo Harkless goes, he's a guy who blew his minutes restriction way out of the water on, in game two. I believe he played nearly thirty minutes, and I don't think they wanted him to go really over that 15, 20 minute threshold. Um, as far as his performance, that's kind of you know you that's kind of how Mo Harkless is. I think he's another one of those guys who's a, a rhythm player, and when Dame and CJ are off, especially Dame it it can really affect him because he's a he's a supplemental scorer. He's not going to create a lot of his own offense. What I am surprised is that he's not another thing that the Blazers did really well in the Clippers series was getting Noah Vonleh and getting guys like Mo Harkless crashing the baseline on cuts and Mason Plumley was finding him. And I I figured that was one safety valve that Terry Stotts would turn to, but maybe Mo isn't a hundred percent on making those cuts that once again, that's my speculation or, or it just wasn't discussed, or maybe the Pelicans are taking something away that I can't see, but I, I think Mo will probably have, have a better, I mean, he probably will have a better game in game four, hopefully.
0: In game three, the Blazers turned the ball over 24 times, six out of seven consecutive possessions in the second quarter at one point points off turnovers, 35 to 17, fast break points, 32 to 13 points in the paint, 62 to 50. Although uh, that got a bit skewed in the fourth quarter when everybody was pulled at about the seven minute mark. Uh, Obviously, if you guys are able to cut down on turnovers, this becomes a much more competitive affair. With that being said, uh, the... That was one of probably the best games in the Smoothie King Center in the Pelicans' young history, uh, coupled with Manny Fresh and Juvenile, the red-out crowd. What are your expectations
1: of the Blazers going into game four? Um, I'd like to say that they're going to come out and, and put up a fight, but game three was the game to put up a fight. I mean, there's definitely pride on the line. I would assume it's going to be closer, but... I don't think I've ever seen Damian Lillard this frustrated. Yes, he he played some tough defenses in L.A., but in that series, but this what Drew Holiday is doing to him is is something I really have never seen before. So, I uh, I think uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting to see if he is. It all comes down to what Damian Lillard does, and I, I think he's been you know this cool customer a lot of the times, but I think he's starting to let some of that frustration. Show like when he says something, even if it is calm, I think it it has a deeper meaning, and uh, I think it, he's starting to show the cracks. And I think, I don't know, I it's it's really hard because it, this series is really just really has been so surprising. I wouldn't be surprised if if the Blazers return home swept with their tail between their legs. Really is kind of what I'm expecting in Game Four.
0: Wow. This is Steve DeWald. You can follow him at Steve D. Hoops. Of course, BlazersEdge.com where he contributes. Is there anything you'd like to plug on
1: your way out, Steve? Um, Well, I'm going to be starting my draft coverage probably a lot sooner than I expected. <laughs> so um, I will, I mean, even though you guys don't have a first round draft pick, you guys can always trade back in. We might, I mean, the Blazers could be looking to offload some lovely salaries this summer. So who knows? It might be the Blazers pick, but even though I don't know if your guys' cap situation isn't a whole lot better than ours, I don't think. But um, I'll be having a big board come out. Then we're going to do extensive draft profiles on probably up to 20 prospects. And then we'll be doing a, a mock draft with my partner in crime, uh, Brian Freeman. So that's that's it's my passion. It's something I'm very enthusiastic about. So if you're into that kind of stuff, if you're scouting for future fantasy teams for basketball, it's definitely something to check out. And I'd really appreciate the follow at, at Steve D. Hoops.
0: I appreciate it, man. Blazersedge.com contributor, Steve DeWald. Uh always a great interview. Always appreciate your time. Uh best wishes to you guys. I know you have a lot of questions going into this offseason. A lot of movement is probably going to take place there. Uh Terry Stotts, uh did a remarkable job this season, but it's just is not going their way. Uh Kudos to Darren Ehrman and, and the Pelicans team for coming out and uh, shocking the world. All 22 ESPN panelists had the Pelicans losing in this one. Uh, before I let you guys go, coming up next, we've got Kevin Barrios on the Sports Bosses SB Nation's radio show, so make sure to stick around for that. Uh, thank you again, Stephen. Appreciate it, man. Uh, if if we do go to Game 5, I'll definitely be looking you up again. Uh, other than that, hopefully I'll bump into you at Summer
1: League, my friend. I will see you there. And if you ever just want to have a blazer fan come on and chat i'll, I'll always be here because i don't think we're gonna have i don't think i'm gonna be having too many more appearances on on podcasts here coming up real shortly
0: you know what i'm gonna be uh looking into some guys over golden state of mine i know i've got a friend over there named daniel hardy but if for some reason he's not available and you're w- taking part in these games and watching these games being over on the west coast like you are uh who knows maybe i'll have you come in and uh be an expert on the warriors for us
1: oh I, I i can maybe i can maybe uh, put that mask on for a, for a podcast
0: all right let's see what happens uh coming up next kevin barrios for now i'm preston ellis let's go
2: Pels. this is pushing the odds on sb nation radio live from the o'reilly auto bart studios in las vegas here's matt perrault Let's talk some Pelicans basketball. Let's head to the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Hotline where we find Kevin Barrios, the bird right, expeditions great site covering the Pelicans. Kevin, Matt Peralt, how are you?
3: I'm great. Recovering a little bit from last night, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a great feeling.
2: 119-102, the win for the Pelicans. They go up three games to none. That game was never really in question. After winning both games at home, uh, sorry, on the road rather, to come back home and to play like that, How good of a sign is that going forward? This series, in my mind, is over. It's about the next series for the Pelicans. But the way they're playing right now, how confident are you and fans looking at this team right now?
3: Oh, I think confidence is at an all-time high right now. Um, You know, I think a lot of us, looking at this matchup that we had, we thought we had a good chance of winning it. um, Or, you know, we thought it would at least be an even competitive series, and it's been not really that it's been pretty overwhelmingly one sided to the pelicans with a few moments here and there for the trailblazers but last night just seemed like was the night that they waved the white flag you could see the quit in their faces and i think uh they're done they're done in this series uh, i think we'll wrap it up tomorrow and confidence is at all time high heading forward i mean look we might get a limping golden state team and you never know what could happen there uh so you know i mean i think This is the the peak level of Pelicans basketball right now, and the way that defense has been playing in this series particularly has been outstanding. And if that can carry over, and if we could have some answer for Kevin Durant, you know, I think nobody really wants to play us right now.
2: Well, speaking of the defense, is this the best you've seen from a two way perspective when it comes to Drew Holiday, uh, both offensively and defensively for the Pelicans?
3: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, Drew's always been a great defender. Uh, his whole career here, he's been very solid. But about a month and a half to two months ago, he seemed to just take it to a whole nother level. Um, it's like we would joke that he was an you know, we will not joke. We would say that he was an elite defense, uh, perimeter defender. But now we're sort of joking that he's at the the whatever the level is above elite right now. I mean, he's super versatile. He's, you know, you can see how pain Damian Lillard is on the court right now. He doesn't does not want to see Drew Holiday's face for a while after the series ends.
2: You know, I'm a Celtics fan, so I remember and I've seen playoff Rondo versus regular season Rondo. I know the difference. But you guys in New Orleans, how much fun are you having seeing the version of this this version of Rondo now here in the playoffs?
3: Oh, it's been great. You know, I mean, he. He's had his uh, bumps and, you know, people have gone after him throughout the year for sometimes showing up with a lack of effort or, you know, just being ineffective in a game. But over the last couple of weeks, which were really our, you know, stretch run playoff, where well, he started playoff Rondo a little bit early for us because we needed him to, to get into the playoffs. And he's just been completely engaged. But even back in the, you know, when you could beat on him for you know lack of effort or lack of defense, uh, he was still providing things that made this team function. You know, he was playing, he was allowing Drew Holiday to play off the ball and he sort of instilled an aggressive attitude in Drew Holiday that was missing for his whole Pelicans tenure here. You know, I, I credit Rajon Rondo's presence with sort of changing Drew Holiday's mentality on the offensive end, which has now propelled him into being one of the premier guards in the league.
2: Does this team have the potential to get run four zero? 0 Is this series over in your mind, or is there any doubt that, look, the series might not be over because crazy things happen to inexperienced teams in the playoffs?
3: No, I think I think it's over. And I think, I mean, last night you could see that team, the Portland team, just quit on the court. And, you know, you're down 3-0. you still got to play another game here. Now you have a Friday night off in New Orleans. I feel like they're going to start vacation early, and we're just going to wrap it up tomorrow afternoon.
2: You know, Anthony Davis is obviously one of the best players in the NBA. But when Boogie went down, did his game change at all?
3: I don't know that it changed. Um, The way the defense played changed. Um, Miritich's emergence, and especially Miritich's emergence as a versatile defender, and particularly this matchup against Portland allowed Anthony Davis to get back to more of that roaming free safety presence, um, which you know he couldn't do as much with a boogie on the court. And so I think we've seen this Anthony Davis before, and I would say honestly, in this series we're seeing Anthony Davis being more of a backseat guy on the offensive end but a total anchor in the paint defensively and the I mean the most incredible health defender that you could have. Um, and that being said, he's still been amazing offensively, but you're not seeing those, you know, 40-point, 50-point games that we've seen from him in the past. You know, he's, you know, in the 20s, and you see Drew Holiday and Miritich score more than him, but he's really – him and Drew Holiday are just the two anchors of that defense and have changed the way this Pelicans t- team can play.
2: If this team – say they were to beat Golden State, right, and get to the, get to <clears throat> the, conf- the conference finals, even the NBA finals – does that help or hurt Boogie Cousins returning next year in New Orleans? I
3: think there's no chance that Boogie does not come back. I think the team loves him. The players want him back. The city loves him. The city wants him back. Now, there's this narrative that's been floated that this team is playing better without Boogie. And I don't necessarily believe that's the case. I mean, we you look at his last game, we, we were the team that ended the Rockets' run. I mean a team with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins creates so many mismatches for all of the teams in the league, except for maybe like the Philadelphia 76ers um, who are like a very long and and big team. But, you know, that's just a matchup nightmare. Then if Mira is still on the team next year as well, then you can play multiple styles. You can slow it down, let Boogie cook for some times. You can stagger where those – Anthony Davis gets to play center or when Miritich gets to play center with Anthony Davis and you could play multiple styles and just, you know, be very versatile. And like, why wouldn't you want an all-star player that's totally committed to the city who the team loves and who, you know, is the best offensive center in the league right now back on this team.
2: Right. It's interesting too, because when, when Boogie and and Anthony Davis were on the court at the same time, the, the thought was, this team does not have enough three-point shooting. You know they they have a shooting lack. And last night they were 11 of 27. Did do, do, do you see a lack of three-point shooting as being a problem?
3: In the offseason, I wrote I wrote sort of a tongue-in-cheek plan of attack for uh, building this team for this year, and the title was "Shooting is Overrated." It was sort of tongue-in-cheek, but I felt that we had the shooting that we needed, and that it was more about. Uh, playmaking and defense and rebounding that we needed to focus on. And, you know, guys like Miritich came later on that added three point shooting. Darius Miller emerged for a while. He's been in a slump for a little bit uh, closing out the season, but he, you know, he stepped it up a bit in the playoffs. And Ian Clark stepped it up towards the end of the season. And Etwan Moore seems to be coming uh, back closer to where he was in, like, I think it was December where he was having an incredible month. So I think three-point shooting is great, and I think we have a lot of it. But at the same time, what we really needed to do is attack the paint and just build a defensive identity and also just create plays for your best players. And I think we have a lot of ball handlers that, are, that, are, that can get guys in the right position and the attention that Holiday and Davis draw Freeze things up for everybody else, and especially once Boogie's in there, because then you also have another guy that demands so much attention.
2: You know, Kevin, it's wild to watch the West right now, and, and how much talent is 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 in the in the overall in the conference. But are you even surprised to see how poorly Damian Lillard in and, and, and Portland, how poorly they have played in this series? Because you know, Game One, people said that the Trailblazers, you know, got the game stolen. From them by the Pelicans, and I, I disagreed with that. I thought they just got outplayed, and the same thing happened in Game Two. Same thing happened in Game Number Three. So, uh, how surprised are you to see New Orleans up three zero right now?
3: I'm surprised. I mean, but going into this series, I thought if this was, I thought it was going to be a very close series. I thought it was going to be a back and forth series, and I thought if it was a six game series, the Pelicans won. If it was a seven game series, that meant Portland won. I did not see. This level of play from the Pelicans come, coming. And I really do believe that if, you know, Etwan Moore has been questionable sometimes as a one on one defender. I, I'm a big Etwan Moore fan. I'm not trying to knock him, but all players have their limitations. And sometimes his defense has been a limitation for us, especially since he has been tasked with normally guarding a guy that's a, the size of a small forward when he himself is really a, a shooting guard. Um, but him and Rondo stepping up their defense, and Drew Holiday taking it to that next level, and Miritich being that versatile guy that allows Anthony Davis to roam, just created a whole new defensive dynamic that really threw has thrown Portland off their game. And you can, you see, like Damian Lillard cannot shake Drew Holiday off of him; he's all over him. And even when he lets him guide him into the paint underneath the rim, then Anthony Davis comes over. And either tips a pass, blocks a shot, or just forces a, a turnover, or forces him to get out from under the basket. So they're not finding anything comfortable. And when their team is built on perimeter and they they don't have great inside presences, Nurkic is a nice player, but he is not like a player of the caliber of an Anthony Davis or even a this version of Nikola Mirotic that we're seeing right now. Um, it's just they just don't have enough to to combat the. The complete shutting down of their perimeter players.
2: All right, Kevin. Great stuff. Appreciate the time.
3: All right, thank you, man.
2: That's Kevin Barrios from the Bird Rights. Espeonians great site covering the Pelicans. Joining us on the Rocket Mortgage by Quick Loans Hotline. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Three zero for the Pelicans. I'd be shocked if that went even game five. That's just been a, a, a lopsided series and a lot of questions. With those, with the Trailblazers, a lot of, a lot of issues with that team as to why they performed so poorly. Damian Lillard, he's a, he's a legit MVP candidate for this year, and yet in the playoffs, the Trailblazers have been awful. Just not, not what you would expect. And yes, I know Anthony Davis is dangerous, and we talked about it throughout the year that nobody wanted to play New Orleans, but that was with Boogie. without him, everyone said, oh, it'll be easier to beat, and it'll be a hard-fought series. But I think there's going to be a win there for. Uh, for the Trailblazers, and that has not happened for Portland, unfortunately. They just have not had answers uh, for those talented long shooters and playoff Rajon Rondo. That's a real thing, by the way. Playoff Rondo is a big thing. There's regular season, aloof, crazy Rondo, and then there's locked in, focused, and really good playoff Rondo, and that's what we're seeing right now. A playoff Rondo who can shoot, which is unbelievable considering he never can do it in the regular season. Our final hand hits you next as we wrap the week on Pushing the Odds, SB Nation Radio.
0: We hope you've enjoyed listening to The Bird Calls on OTG and Nothing But Nut here on Dash Radio. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year. Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates, price and coverage match limited by state law. Technology Truths, brought to you by Geico. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice kitten. Soccer ball pineapple? Truth! It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. What are you talking about?
1: Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat?
0: What? Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.